That's just like saying you won last night. I did win. I was drunk. It was great. Because you made the porn video at the school? No. <laughs> no, we played Rocket League and I was drunk, so that I looks, won. That looks like a green screen behind you. You're making porn screen. because the school is closed. Welcome back to Plans Are Optional. Another special episode. This time, we have all four of us here, joined by Ed. Ed, how you doing? Wait, you said all four of us. Does that mean I'm included in that four? Like I'm a regular? Yeah, you're definitely included. You're basically the new Neil now with your amount of technical issues you're having this morning. <laughs> we just started. It's not Everything wrong. was flawless. Absolutely flawless. This might never see the light of day. We can be talking for the next hour, but and this might go nowhere. Can I just interject? Isn't he technically the new Marty now, considering Ooh. how much I've cleaned up my act and, and um, improved everything? This is true. Okay. I will take that point, and I'll write that on the board. When have I had issues? I don't know. The constant <laughs> drum solo you have going during all of your recordings. This is I my fidget. new life goal I... right here is to not be this label anymore. I, everything I do <laughs> is going to be devoted towards this. My, my whole existence is about overcoming this. It's great you know to what? be here. It cost me about $300, so get ready to crack your wallet open. <laughs> oh, that's, that's how you <laughs> get it. What did you do? That's how you do it. You just pay, you just pay to be oh, better. okay. Yeah. Here, Andy, did you, did you get my Venmo? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want some of that it's, action. Uh, I think you just gave me the money back that I paid you for being on the podcast last time. Oh, yeah. Thank, hey, hey, thanks for that. Thanks again. Anyways, so we have Ed here. So you know it's a movie episode, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently it's what? not. I mean, would it's you really call episode. it a film? Well, hold on. Before you get Whoa, into let's that, let's, you know. <laughs> That's Marty, I'm starting off right now. I'm coming for you. <laughs> I know where this is going, and I'm coming for you. Anyway. Starting off, if you guys haven't seen Tree of Life, there are going to be spoilers. Stop listening, or just listen be as confused as maybe Marty was. How can you spoil this film? You can't spoil this film. Okay. So, if you guys remember last time, episode 52, The Hair, Ed had suggested that we watch Tree of Life. So, what do I do? I watched it. I didn't even take 10 years to do it. Are you proud of me? I, I have a clarifying amazed. question. That was a quick turnaround. Quick you can ask question. it. You can ask it, yeah. Andrew Andrew keeps saying Tree of Life, but the title is The Tree of Life, just to make sure that we're not getting too different. Oh, no, 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 well, no, last no, time no, I no, tried no. putting the in the title, I got yelled at. Uh, objection it's even right there on the poster behind you, Ed. The Tree of Life. Oh, I, for, I keep forgetting I'm right where the poster is. That's funny. Uh, no, it's okay. It's okay, Andy, to say it like you said it. I was just watching some special features, and the producers even refer to it in shorthand as Tree of Life, not the. Because we don't have time for that. We only have 40 days, 40 nights. That's it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Tree of Life is what I'm going to call it. And uh, interestingly, a sign of our times is always the case. When you search Tree of Life on Google, the actual Tree of Life, the religious, you know, mythological, religious uh, archetype of Judaism, various philosophies, is second to the movie. 
(laughs) (laughs) That sounds appropriate. Yeah. It's that good. Yeah. It's that good. I also have something else to share with you all. Besides the poster, I have this special Criterion Collection edition of the film, which you'll, you should all feel blessed to know that there is an extended edition on this. And regardless of how you feel about it, you didn't have to watch that, which is 50 minutes longer. And actually, I've never seen Whoa. it yet because Interesting. I'm, I'm afraid to dive in. It's going to be a big, uh, it'll be a big effort. Even, even I'm, I'm worried about that. But I was just watching some of the special features, and Marty, I just sent a copy to you in the mail. I hope for a recap of this between you and I in, in uh, I don't know, the next week. Okay. We when you're that. not shooting porn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I don't even know how to tackle this movie. Um, oh, this is so exciting. For, first off, why did you suggest it, Ed? What, what did you want to get out of this? And we'll see if we can hit that at any point during this podcast. So I think I'm honestly, I'm sitting down, but inside I'm jumping for joy because I had originally thought this would be Andy just watching it. And I thought of, as time went along, the, the, my first instinct was that it's another one of my top films. So it would be interesting to see what you thought about that in general. And then I realized how, after rewatching it yesterday, just how truly unique it is and how it's almost hard to describe and hard to understand and now that we've got all of you having watched it i'm just excited to hear the reactions because i bring this movie up to a lot of people and not a lot of people i think have seen it in general it's very very much underseen so i'm i'm excited to hear what everyone thinks i think in short for me it's it's one of my top 5 films which is funny because andy you and i talked the last time we talked on the podcast about heat and I'm not sure where heat and the tree of life really (laughs) are very similar. It it was a little bit jarring. It was a little bit jarring having this be suggested. And then I realized what I'm getting myself into about 20 minutes into the film. I'm like, this is nothing like the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. 20 minutes. At that it point, it was more minutes. like it was more like Jurassic Park. <laughs> I must say, I felt the same way because because I was you said, "Hey, you want to jump in watch this movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, buy it." So I quickly did a quick <laughs> read on it and just to see if it was like an acclaimed movie or garbage <laughs> or whatever. And I read it and it was like, "Oh, okay." And the basic gist of the just I didn't want to read too much because I didn't want to ruin it for myself. So I didn't read the plot or anything, but I read and I'm like, okay, this is a very, um, the critics are very polarized about this movie, both when it came out and ever since. Um, it's won tons of awards and some people are like, it's amazing. Others are like, mm, this, is, this is terrible. Um, so I'm like, oh, this sounds fun. So I started watching it. And again, I, I didn't really know what I was in for, but um, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, but definitely oh. not. Um, Definitely not uh, uh, what you might, I don't know, what you might expect. De- definitely not an easy movie um, and not not heat. Yes, not heat. That is totally fair. That is totally is fair. It, but I'm, Ed, are I'm you so, dying over there? Are you like hysterically laughing that you're, so much that you're going to die? I Number one. The, the reaction from basically everybody is the reaction from everybody here is the reaction from anybody where 
it realize you realize 20 minutes in that nothing's going to change and and you're in for a a very unique ride but i was also very excited to hear of neil's relatively positive reaction that that was that was great and i think because neil is positive on it marty we can go to your reaction for the exact opposite uh why why are you going to do 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 me like that there buddy um actually um i didn't hate it um, I would go, uh, when I, when I've been joking that I wouldn't call it a film, I would call it art. Um, we're watching this film, not art. You're, can I explain? <laughs> no, hey, no, you're in it. You have studio. the flow, Maddie. You have you're, okay. I'm sorry. I'm out. Uh, you're watching, um, something that, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, two hour long piece of our masterpiece of art from a phenomenal director. Um, the dialogue and everything in there. I mean, you could probably turn the 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 dialogue off and just watch the film on mute and still walk away with it. It's very powerful. The images of where it's going to, uh, the quick cuts, uh, the filmmaking style is really just a like. There's just beautiful, spectacular shots that mean more than what's going on with the word in the script and everything. And so. Um, from that, again, I don't call it a, a film. I, I see films and movies as uh, escapism that they're trying to tell a story and a point. Whereas Ooh. this one is sim- cinematically beautiful. Now, hang on, hang on. It is telling a point and it is kind of exploring creation and where you are um, and life um, of the compassion, um, you know, from the mom and then the. Uh, um, abrasiveness of the dad and then also kind of with nature and you see all that through so you kind of i mean there is a story there um but it's not something like with um you know heat has a trajectory that you sit down and you're in there for immersion of a plot like through you're going for that not for the cinematic um uh, cinematography of the film that that's where i'm going it's more it's a more beautiful film I, i feel I mean, I would say you're right. Um, you're not going for action. It's not an action movie, obviously. Um, it is a, it is a emotional, visually stunning, um, and uh, you're going for it's it's a thoughtful movie, right? Um, but it's definitely not. It doesn't. It's not a spoon fed movie. It's not a traditional narrative, um, right? That you would that you might expect from you know that most movies do, um, so knowing that going in, um, I think that would help to know going in because I think that again yes. going in myself after like ten minutes. So I'll be honest with you, the the weird thing for the movie about me in terms of um, enjoyment is because I didn't know that going in, it made the first twenty minutes um, pretty rough. I, like uh-huh. I was like, hmm. now if I knew it. Once I recognized that after about 20 minutes, I was like, ah, okay, I see. And then you kind of, you, you, your expectations change. So your, your, your experience of the art changes. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, just to know it going in means that at least I, I don't think I, I could have walked away after 15 minutes and been like, ah, I don't think I'm going to watch this. Um, but it, at one point, then I was like, okay, this is awesome. But I would have been good to know that. Um, yes, 
Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, whenever I, and I think we need to get to Andy's opinion, but without a doubt, anytime I I bring this up, I always, I I preface it with, you just kind of have to let it, it's going to be strange at first because your expectations are something more along the lines of any regular film. Like we keep talking about heat, but anything hot fuzz or, or star Wars or, or anything like that. And and you expect dialogue, you expect a certain first act to, to preface a story, but there's not a lot given here verbally. It's all in image and sound and music. And so I always let people know, you just kind of have to let it wash over you. It's an experience. And that's one of the things I appreciate it so, about it so much is the, I think there is a lot to it. And I think there's a point, uh, Martin, but <laughs> I think, I think that, I think, I think that, uh, especially when you're filming from a porn studio, I think that um, I think that it, it's it's something that uh, it's it's a a total uh, experience. It's, I told Andy last time it, it felt like a um, a symphony that you're enjoying uh, uh, through a, a kaleidoscope of color and and um, it's almost like God's home movies. That was that's one way to one very broad way I've described it in the past, and then people get intrigued and. If I know them well, I say, oh, maybe, maybe watch uh, The Bachelor instead. It's a Sunday night. Think about that. And uh, some people I'll say, yeah, watch, watch this film. Try and dive into it. Andy, I think we need to hear from you. Well, I want to make one clarifying statement before that. Um, <laughs> Clarify away, Marty. Uh, when I say like it doesn't have a plot, I want to say it. the point is to get you to think about the, uh, the human experience. And what's going on, not so much um, moving characters from point A to point B, but more of a reflection of where humanity is going or uh, different of the human experience. And so I, it's it's like Kubrick's t- 2001. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's that, totally like fair. immediately like watching this. I was like, yeah, this is Terrence's 2001 Sp- a Space Odyssey mm-hmm. of art exploration, like that's what he's going for like that it, it was compared to that in a couple of of critic um comments i saw i mean but i would say it does have a semblance of a plot um and there is there are you know just so for anyone listening there are characters there is dialogue um things do happen albeit in a non-traditional way um but there is some com- there is some tension <clears throat> created as you watch this this man essentially reminiscing about his childhood in the fifties, um, and seeing you know interactions with his parents. Um, but again, they're real. That's just sort of not incidental, but it's it's not as pervasive as a, a normal plot. But there is some. It's not completely mm-hmm. devoid of dialogue and plot. And I think I think the tension comes from the grace versus nature, which is spelled out right at the beginning. The female character played by Jessica Chastain says there there are. Well, not in that scene. She's a kid. Uh, uh, she says the nuns taught us there are two ways of living, uh, essentially this, the way of nature and the way of grace. And she seems to represent grace, whereas the Brad Pitt character seems to represent nature. And uh, Andy, is this making sense to you? Yeah, no, it's all making sense. Okay, first off, uh, time on the human experience with Marty. Okay, you guys just hold on here. He sent me a text around six o'clock. He had already drunk a bottle of wine due to watching this movie. I just want to throw that out there right now. It wasn't this because drove of that. Marty it wasn't drinking. Marty, you're done right now. That. Hold on. Uh, then, I mean, just 
overall, I enjoyed the movie. But I want to get, you know, you're starting to get into it with the grace versus nature. I mean, there's a couple of themes that are thrown out throughout this movie. First one, grace versus nature that's brought up through Jessica Chastain's character at the beginning. And then you also have faith, you know, generally overall, you know, belief in God, belief in whatever it is. Uh, and then, you know, talking about the story of Job and how things can be taken away from you, mm-hmm. whether it's your fault or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the struggle between what you want to do versus what you should be doing, um, right versus wrong. Like these themes are all thrown out there through the reminiscing of this, this guy's childhood. And so uh, it's just interesting. I walked away from, well, I didn't even walk away from the movie. I, I sat there for a while afterwards, kind of just staring trying to figure out what I just watched. Whoa. Because, um, yeah, no, after the first 20 minutes, I kind of realized, no, this is not what I was expecting, but it wasn't bad by any means. So. Yeah, I should have prefaced, there's no bank robbery. There was no bank robbery. <laughs> no dirty-ass Wayne grill. Very disappointed. Oh, Wayne But um, I, I guess with that in mind, you're starting to talk about Grace versus Nature, how the child growing up, he starts becoming more like his father, right? Yeah, no, yes, yes, that's exactly right. I think that's what he leans towards. You look at what he's doing. I think he's an architect. First off, he's played by Sean Penn. That already, I mean, he doesn't seem very graceful anyway. So that's, uh, I think, nature. <laughs> Clearly, the dad winning out. Um, it does look he, like he is ready to trip, just always. He just seems like he's <laughs> ready to fall over. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I think, yeah, he's 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 trying to pursue, or he has been pursuing a certain type of success, which his father talks about. We later find. I mean, we're we're looking at the son as he's grown up early on in the film, and then we go back, and the majority of the film takes place within the confines of this 1950s family structure, which you've all talked about or referenced. And uh, the the father often brings up how he didn't end up doing what he wanted to do, which was be a famous musician, but he also wanted to try and be successful and he got sidetracked. And it seems like he certainly is having the most, uh, the greatest effect on his son. And in the end, that's what he's pursuing. But when we see him in the film, he certainly seems lost. He's uh, at the very beginning, uh, when Sean Penn is playing the son, he he's kind of burnt out he's having trouble with his clearly with his relationship um and i think we're as you had mentioned or referenced neil it seems like we're, we're viewing the rest of the film from his point of view reflecting or, or having some sort of out-of-body experience upon rewatching it i realized that at the very end the film ends going back to the present day or if that's what we want to call it where he's outside of his, I think outside of his building after taking the elevator down. And it seems like he just kind of awoke from this crazy, um, uh, uh, either meditation or, or something. And, and, uh, he's back with us, whether or not he was just imagining it or, uh, otherwise. And, um, and so, uh, he, it's, it's all from his, for the most part, from his point of view, except when the universe is being created, which of course, I'm I'm wondering when you all saw that, uh, it, was there any expectation for that at all, or were you like, "What the hell is going?" On? <laughs> no, that I I mean, the, but but that part I, I was going to reference that part. Um, no, I did not expect that, um, but it was great, <laughs> and uh, even just for that alone, like this is one. It's one of those movies where I recommend that I would recommend this movie to anybody, with the caveat that 
I think some people are going to, like Andrew um, Express, have a real connection to the movie. Um, other people probably won't. So it just depends. It's an individual thing at the end of the day, which I guess, you know, that's why it's art film, because your mm. experience is going to be personal. But that that segment um, alone is why I would recommend anyone to watch the movie regardless, even if they hate the movie and don't want to watch everything else. I'd say, well, at least watch that because A, the visually, it was absolutely stunning. Like oh, yeah. the kaleidoscope quali- of color. Yeah, the quality of the of the effects and the choices of of landscape, um, basically the com- you know the the actual composition, uh, it was just amazing. Um, mm. So that alone was because you know there's a lot of if you fast forward because this is what 2007 this movie or something like that. 2011 is when it was released, 11. but there may have been a okay. lot of it shot over right. a couple of years. So like 13 years later, you've seen a lot of, um, not necessarily movies, but a lot of um, documentaries that do this sort of um, universe um, porn, if you want to call it that, um, where they... Yeah, Marty. Yeah, there you go. CG, um, you know, Dawn of Time, universe, you know, the Earth, celestial planets. Um, But even for that, like 13 years ago, this was so uh, high res and really beautiful just for that. So I just thought that was great. I love that part. So mm. just want to throw that out. Like in and of oh, itself, it's a reason to watch the movie. Um, even if you happen not to get anything out of the greater, the greater piece of work that it is. But mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool, but unexpected. And it's very jarring. I think as well, you watch it, you're like, uh, what just happened? We were watching a movie with people in it. Yeah. It was very arty, quote unquote. <laughs> And now I'm watching how the universe began in the dawn of time for 20 minutes in some crazy, you know, composition of, of it was just great. It was great. But. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I had the benefit. I was watching it with someone. I forced someone else to watch it. We were on FaceTime watching it. A and, woman? Uh, we're not going to get into that. But That's a yes. Just ask him. It's a boy or girl. Jeez. <laughs> But I had the benefit of, you know, while watching this, I asked them, are you watching this like PBS special with me right now? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but better than <laughs> I, the PBS special. I didn't special. realize if I somehow switched off to something else, it was, you know, it's that different from where it started. And then, you know, you get back into the, I guess, flashback. But no, it's just, it was an interesting place to put that segment, I thought. Well, Ed and I are both kind of movie nerds, too. Um like I'm immediately after watching the film, well, let me go back. Um, w- watching the creation part, that's where the light bulb clicked. Where it was 2001, I was like, oh, mm. okay. And so that's where I, I I got where he was trying to, or I made that analogy. Um, but then afterwards, I went back and IMDb trivia thing. Um, apparently some theaters mixed up real one and real two, and about that 20 minute mark is where. Like so, they put that part <laughs> first, oh, no. and nobody could tell the difference. Wow! On tell, the trip, I, like I didn't tell know the that. difference. What do you mean by so, tell the difference? So, in that creationism part, like how the how the world and the universe is created, that part real two, some some theaters accidentally put that in front of real one with the beginning, like where it opens with Job, and nobody like knew the difference. Did they accidentally do that? Or Yeah. Okay, According wow. to IMDb with the trivia wow. thing, that's what it happened. And I don't know what you mean by knew the difference. 
Like they mean? couldn't. Like it didn't throw off yeah. the story at all. Oh, it didn't it's, affect their experience. Right. It, okay. They they still had the, in so it would further replicate the twenty R two thousand one with the the dawn of man. Yeah, dun, and dun, I, dun, dun. I, yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's it's a right comparison, especially for if you want to give it to someone in brief. How can you kind of explain it to them? It's kind of what. Neil was relaying like and all of you if you go into it not knowing what you're going to expect you're going to be you you may be less inclined to appreciate it and want to leave after that 20 minute mark but to say it's something like 2001 that is the probably clear comparison uh if you're going to relate it to another movie it's they're both epic in scope and uh, dealing with very large topics but abstractly so it's uh yeah I think that's that's um that's a an appropriate comparison, but I did not know that that was the uh, that that happened. Really quick on the 2001 note, what's really cool is Douglas Trumbull. I think that's how you say his last name. He did the special effects for 2001. They brought him in as a consultant for uh, the Tree of Life for the creation sequence in particular. Yeah. Because a lot and of that, I don't know, I don't know what you guys thought of it, but it's to me, it's very, it's um, it doesn't, it feels pretty real. You can watch any big space. CG movie, and you'll you'll know that it's it's fairly fake. Whereas that was just truly awe-inspiring. And part of the reason for that is that instead of using complete computer graphics, they took actual imagery from NASA of different locations in the universe and just changed those those images. They, they, it was meant to be imagery that would be reflective of what the universe would potentially be like at the creation, but also using practical effects like just close-ups of of chemicals moving through water and um, throwing powder on, on like a table to show, I don't know, some sort of stardust or, or uh, something. It's, I, it, it helps to keep you grounded. I think until the dinosaurs, <laughs> even the well, dinosaurs were good though. The, I mean, yeah. you're right. I completely agree. They, it was very realistic, um, which yeah. is what I was getting to. It's like it, it had that production quality and thought, to it that you don't always get on that PBS special, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was it was very very well done. Yeah. It's interesting well, yeah. they, that they got the guy from two thousand one to consult. You know what the last film that he did? Terrence Malick. Was? No, um, that the special effects guy. You know what the last uh, film he did was before True Life? Was it that uh, movie with Bruce Dern where he's like an environmentalist in space? No. <laughs> he did one of my favorite movies in Blade Runner. Oh, wait, he did the special effects for that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Damn. Anything he touches, except for that uh, environmental. They're not loved in, in the, it, anything he touches, it's not loved in its time. It takes a few years for it to become truly loved. Except for considered true life. a masterpiece. And 2001. 2001, I think, was appreciated. It just, it took a while when it was at the box office. People had to get high to watch it. <laughs> Which is like my a recommendation for this movie, too. Right. Kaleidoscope of Colors. Well, yeah. That's true. Wait, hold on. Was anyone here Was anyone here high when they were watching this movie? No. No. But, Ed, that's something for you to do Andy? here in Colorado. It's legal for you. you but can, Marty, you're in Washington. It's Washington. You. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, an awful argument. But Ed <laughs> likes to rewatch films. And so I challenge you, Ed, to uh, get yourself some edibles and then watch it without the sound on 
No, no, no. I, I, I disagree with that statement because I like the dialogue. Sure, you don't need that, but the music. Could you do this with? I mean, music. It's all one piece. Some of the music is just. It adds to the Brahms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bra- Brahms. What? Yeah, is that what's Brahms in there? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Ed, you probably have the soundtrack that you could just hit play. And I'm, I'm listening. Go. I'm listening to it right now. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, the music is important. I think the dialogue you could go without and still get the point of what's going on. Yeah, I would, I would argue it would make it more powerful of the dialogue. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe. I mean, the dialogue's so minimal though, and it gives you points. It adds to the poetry because I think while you can compare it to 2001 and its abstract nature, um, this movie is much more poetic. I mean, think about some of the words they say. If you turn on the subtitles, it's a lot of this in silent hushes like mother, brother, which you're wondering, what what are they talking about? I think eventually it makes sense. And I don't know if I need to clear it up for anybody because I've seen it, I don't know, less than he. Mother, brother, they're the ones who brought me to you. Yeah. That's that quote. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, a lot of those are kind of, I don't know how you guys took it by I think it's kind of like a dialogue or a conversation with God. There's questions that are being asked to him. It's, I don't know if you could think of it as a long prayer, but uh, it's, it's weird listening to that. It is religious. It's a religious esque movie for sure. Um, But not, not such that you should turn people off. uh, I don't feel. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing um, like just to give people like other movies that I've seen that are similar, um, or at least, you know, if you like these movies, you may like this one. Um, Lars von Trier's movies are very similar, oh, a couple. Yeah. Melancholia, Five Obstructions, yeah. things like that, um, if you haven't seen those before. Melancholia in particular is very... Um, have you guys seen that movie? Yeah. I almost... Yeah. It's funny, because it's funny you bring that up, because that came out the same year, and they're almost huh. the same yeah. but opposites at the same right. point in some... I mean, one is very much more pessimistic. Sure. Melancholia. But but they're both, I agree, they're both very um, similar in many respects. Have you guys have you guys seen any of Lars von Trier movies? Nope. I just watched The Tree of Life. I think you made me watch one a long time ago. <laughs> you made me. You made me. Do it. Me or Andy? <laughs> yeah. You, Andy. I did? Well, you had to we get were... off that adult film shit. I, I needed to have you watch something <laughs> <laughs> that was better. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. Just remember who introduced Blade Runner to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair. Blade Runner is one of my top films. So Marty, you did you did do that. You made that happen for me. But let, so I, okay, go ahead, Andy. I was just gonna say if we want to kind of bring it back here, there are the themes. Do we want to talk about any of the themes more in depth, or do we want to just continue on with the reaction of the film? Because there's a lot of different parts of the film to react to, but what are you guys feeling? I'd let everyone else speak what they say, because I, I think, to me, it's, it's it really, after rewatching it, it's very clear. It's grace versus nature. That's that's some of the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's it's up front, and as abstract as the movie is, if you it, it's, it's clearly laid out. But I'd be curious and, to so see what others think. Grace versus nature, how do they define that within the realm of this film? I think it's, I think it's, I think it's presented uh, 
I think it's presented up front where after she says nature and grace and she she talks about how grace is so wonderful and grace accepts it doesn't it doesn't get upset when it's slighted and nature is is uh much less about that and the way it's constructed you cut from her as a child which i think is the only scene we see with her as a child it's very quick assuming you all got that uh and then we go to their, them as a family and you see the mother and father and you start to i think realize clearly up front that might be what it's about and if not it seems to be presented later as we have this boy who's going back and forth between his mother and father and they both clearly represent different um styles and different areas of focus and there's a balance there i think that's what we all need to mm-hmm. to live in, in the life we we live in, in the culture we we live in and we can't just go walk out into the forest and be willy-nilly but uh yes you can i are are you serious no okay so but at the beginning when when she's talking about grace versus nature she speaks as if there's two paths you can take and where you say there's a balance it's not originally laid out that way i think that's fair yeah it's not it's not clear i that's that's my and i think this it's totally open to interpretation but that's uh to me that's what i get from it so there could be a lot more in the way of what people think about it well, well I, I mean, the, 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 the grace versus nature is presented at the beginning, but she's in conflict with, or the, the narrator is in conflict with it. Um, and that conflict is really the underpinning um, nature of the movie. And then come the end, the surrender to grace uh, um, is what uh, is sort of revealed, I felt. Because if you remember at the beginning, there was something along the lines of, Nature doesn't care. Um, it does what it wants. Blah blah blah. Uh, and then at the end, she's like, she was. She says, "I give you my son." Or something. So I, I interpreted that as kind of like her, the conflict of coming to. It's the coming to grace, right? It's, it's the mm. the surrender that comes with that. Um, so that as a theme, um, but it was. It wasn't really about her. She was like the bookends. But the books in the middle were the was the was the Sean Penn character, the, the son, um, experiencing mm. that same struggle through his parents, right? Which is very biblical as well, right? Really, um, through his authoritarian father and his very graceful but less um, more more, more again, graceful but um, less authoritarian mother, right? And and like what Brad Pitt's character says at some point, "You're turning my kids against me" or something. So, one character yeah. that I thought was very interesting was not the main brother, not not the main um, child, but the his sidekick brother. Because there are three really, right? There's the mm-hmm. there's the mm-hmm. musician one, there's the main guy that your father's whose memories were of you in this farm, and then there's his other brother. For whatever reason, that other brother to me was so psychopathic. <laughs> I don't know if that was intended or just the way that the actor came across. But I really, his character was kind of interesting because he was kind of a nothing character. He didn't, he was in the middle, if you like it, but he was the only one that openly defied his father right at the table when he says, you know, please be quiet or be quiet or something. Or, Will you be quiet? Um, which caused a huge huh. um, problem. But that character was so, uh, so, I don't know why, just personally, I found out with him very, he didn't really, he wasn't a big part of it, but I don't know, he was very weird to me. Well, 
you you know that he was the he's the son that is uh yeah that dies yeah was that oh is he the son that dies in the in the water or yeah oh no 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 Uh, so there was no son no not none of their kids died in the water but that was someone um, else's kid what what essentially happens is at the very beginning of the film after she after we go through the introductory sequence uh, what I gather from that, and of course it's totally open to interpretation, is uh, she gets a, a notice that her son has died in, in Vietnam. And, uh, okay. and that's, and it's that son. And it's funny you say he's, he, uh, he's, I think he's kind of the, while the Sean Penn character, uh, who's the older son, um, is going back and forth between his parents, I think his slightly younger brother, the blonde uh, child is actually much more, he does have those moments. He did test his father, but I think part of that is because he's more aligned with his mother. He is more living by grace. He's always playing the guitar. He's always seems seemingly peaceful. He says he, he trusts his older brother when his older brother yeah, yeah. ends up shooting no, with a BB gun. Him. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't talking about that one. I was talking about oh, the other okay. one. Yeah, oh, okay. but, but no, old, I agree okay, that okay. I think that the guitar one was definitely more of the man. And then uh, the one yeah. that I'm talking about, if it, so, so who died, the guitar one or the, the middle, the middle yeah, child, the guitar, yeah, Jack. the guitar one. Yeah. Oh, and I think your John that. Penn's character, Jack is the older child. Sure. Yeah. So what about, so we don't know what happened to the other one then? The young one, um, the youngest one. No, he's never, uh, yeah, we don't, Not we don't really. know. Yeah. Um, no, uh, uh-uh. but the, the middle child is, is it? And I think they, they, we get that because it cuts from uh, the 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 uh, them no, being notified about the death to that that particular child or to the guitar. It it ends up being made clear, but it certainly uh, isn't explicit. I mean, even explicit that anyone died. It's just kind of um, yeah. There is the, a lot the way I think about it is being it's from Sean Penn's character's viewpoint. That was his brother that was closest to him. Yes, which causes him to have all these flashbacks, all these uh, memories of him, and I think. Being that's from his perspective, that's why it's so focused, or not not focused, but he is one of the main focuses of that flashback, right? Which makes sense, yeah, yeah. But the well, char- the character is interesting because he was sort of he felt that kid of the three felt the most um, the most messed up, in fact, to me, the most unsalvageable of the three sons. Unsalvageable, <laughs> yeah. Like he felt like you know, if you talk about the nature grace path, like he just felt. Broken. He felt more broken to me than the other two. Obviously, Sean Penn's character was in conflict, so he he had redeeming qualities. The other kid was more of the gray side anyway, and then I thought that that other one was just more just broken to begin. I say broken, I mean it's not the best word. Just throw him out. I I think yeah. it's fair, and I, I think what you're describing is fair. I was shocked by Andy's reaction. I was taken aback by. <laughs> <laughs> shocked. I see it as. Sean Penn's character throughout the film coming to terms and really struggling with the grace versus nature and that he blames his father for the death of his brother. And so as we go through everything, he's trying, he's been brought up in this nature and he's kind of gravitated towards that. And you see that through the, through the flashbacks, but his mom has, you know, he's really happy when he's just around his mom and the grace and the nature and the forgiveness part. And going back, you also see him, Sean Penn, his character and his wife light a candle. And I took that as to being like his birthday or the day that he died and he's remembering his brother. And he also has a conversation with 
his dad about uh forgiveness and like they have he kind of has a break like a conversation with that and so i feel we get to that point especially at the end where it's sean penn's character coming to terms of of you know forgiveness is divine or to forgive is divine that saying is um as close to godliness as we can get and so it's him kind of relinquishing and forgiving his father for the upbringing that he's had and for the um, what he's held over on his dad and blamed, blamed his dad. Because, I mean, going back, political science, Thomas Hobbes, you know, life is uh, nasty, short, and brutish. So, like, that's... He, he's at a struggle between those two if he wants to be like his dad or if he wants to um, turn the page and be more like his mom. And so I think the end is he wants to forgive and be more like his mom. And the whole film was about that conflict, that internal struggle between that. Really quick point of clarification. Were you quoting just friends in the Anna Ferris song to forgive us to, to be divine? Is that what you're no, quoting? No, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a famous saying. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think it speaks less of me that I, that's where my mind went to. So that's, uh, that's my fault. That's my problem. No, I think that's right. I think the, the, what your interpretation is, I agree with. I think one thing though, and I, I don't know what you guys think to me, uh, the Sean Penn scenes are not happening at the same time as the mother and father realizing their son has died. It's actually jumped ahead. So when he's waking up and looking down and, and, uh, and, uh, um, it, it seems like maybe he's sad or, or lost without his brother. I think it's years later and it's, there's just a connection because he was such an important person to him, to everybody in their family. And so it has um, to be years later. Sean Penn's characters in the modern age and like, okay. His I brother dies sure in Vietnam. Clear. Yes. I just wanted to make <laughs> like, sure that was clear. I didn't know. If, I didn't know. If you... No, there's flat screams in Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, another theme to, to switch again, like talking about the kids. Um, it was cool to see that the, the way they represented sort of like the young, boys in the 50s um because it somewhat reminded me of my childhood in the in the in the 80s I agree. more in the ninth well yeah in the 80s basically obviously in the 80s it was slightly different but there, it still had that thing to it which is very nostalgic that you don't really have mm-hmm. as much today of you know they, they didn't have any, anything to do um, right, technology, there was freedom in the outdoors. Yeah, they were out ransacking abandoned houses, smashing windows, playing in fields, shooting Did, frogs with rockets, shooting frogs. Yeah, doing boy stuff, launching right? frogs, which, not which was frogs. which was interesting because because thematically, like obviously it was the fifties, and there were some minor but still very relevant um, themes of um, politics, race, war. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They were all s- sort of smattered throughout. Um, and the, and it was showing you how these these things of the time were were impacting uh, this Sean Penn's character, right? How he was interpreting that in the context of his father and mother, um, which was co- it was done. It was just well done. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. So you I played totally insecticide when you were a kid, Neil? Not the not the gardening part. Although that that was the one thing that I did find interesting. No, I'm was, talking about the DDT. The DDT. What's that? lost me there, there's a scene where the boys were just running behind the ddt truck playing in the fumes the mosquito oh yeah yeah that oh, was not yeah, yeah. i was like whoa that's messed up <laughs> yeah <laughs> that 
was messed up. But, no, I don't remember. I, there was that didn't happen to me. But but I, you know, running around fields, breaking into old abandoned houses, that, mm-hmm. being in nature, running around free was definitely something that was you know something I did. I totally agree, and that's one of the things I appreciate is the snapshot of life, even though it's in the fifties. It feels completely realistic and grounded, and like you said, you feel a certain nostalgia. And I think most people, even if they're growing up in different time periods, we're all, I think, essentially the 80s. There might be people in the 70s and 60s that watch it that might even feel closer to it. But as long as it's not, I don't know, the 2000s, I think everyone, many people, can can agree with that, regardless of their of their yeah. time period. And that's a tribute to. Just the the uh, so much the the naturalism of the way they filmed it using natural light, using real locations, and I think all the kids honestly they did they gave um, very uh, realistic performances. They were all just uh, they acted wonderfully. Even if they don't have a lot of lines, they it felt like it was a real snapshot of life. Yeah, I would agree with with that, Andy. In regards to. The snapshot of life and the kids? Is that what you want me to talk about? I just want your reaction. Reaction? Uh, no, yeah. I, there's definitely a lot more freedom back then for kids than now. they have now. But it, it depends where you're at in the country, too, for sure. I mean, Mark, oh, yeah. Marty, and Marty, you and I, we, we uh, I don't know, you probably feel that, right? I mean, when we weren't playing GoldenEye, we were outside uh, playing <laughs> Capture the Flag. And, Riding bikes, and, uh, doing all sorts of stuff, getting in yeah, trouble. Yeah, so. I mean, you could also look at the film as a commentary on uh, modern masculinity with, you know, the upbringing of the 50s of the dad, um, you know, doing what he has to do, not what he wants to do. And then uh, how Sean Penn's character balances that going on in the future. Yeah, it was uh, a tra- transition and, kind of. Right. So, um, I mean, there's a lot and like any piece of art, there's tons of layers to it. And we're not even in this hour podcast, we're not going to hit them all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, would you, you guys think have a, the, Oh, go for it, Ed. No, Dude, go ahead. I was going to ask if you guys had a favorite shot that really stuck out to you yeah. out of the whole. That's. <laughs> So for the for the shot, I don't have a specific shot, but you know, going back to the the portion where they're going through creation, or you know, the origin of the universe, I ended up liking that scene more once it cut back, because you know you're very focused on a a small story in the scope of things, and then you get taken through this entire journey, and then you realize it doesn't really mean anything, but then you get sucked right back in the story. Where you're again, you you get attached to the story, follow what's going on, follow the characters. But again, that that scene by itself, just even though it seems abstract and thrown in there, I I do appreciate the larger scope it lends to the film. Ed's gonna lose his shit. You said that sequence meant nothing. Yeah, I I'm holding back. <laughs> I just I, I off camera I took a shot of whiskey to calm my calm myself. I, I think uh, it's funny. I was thinking that as I was rewatching it, I've seen this film many times and it's hard to find such a good shot. That's why this freaking poster behind me, it's all images of the movie. And I think it's representative of a tree of life of sorts. There's so many images of life. But if I was to jump to a sequence 
in the past, what I would have done is I would have put in this movie and watched the creation sequence with that beautiful track. It's called Lacrimosa. I don't have the composer uh, with me. A lot of this music is actually sourced in the movie. It's not made for the movie. Terrence Malick's how, great at taking music. And how do you not know? We watched, I like listening to the hair episode, you pulled all of that information about heat from your head. And I know you did that because I know you and how much you talk about that film. And if this is up there in your favorite, how do you not have this all in your head? I don't think this is in your top five. I think it's top 10. And I think oh. you grossly exaggerated. If you don't know it as well, like I think in that hair episode, you maybe looked up one or two things on IMDb in the moment, Amy Brenneman, but or something, but um, that's the hair. Amy you, Redman, you, the hair. I know, but you pulled everything out from the top of your head and w- didn't have to look it up or do research ahead of time. So, part of the problem. Part of the problem. I'm a little disappointed the, in you. These tracks, Lacrimosa is the name of the song, but it's by a composer named Zygniew Presner, and I'm totally butchering his name. I, I don't know how you how you pronounce it, but um, the music in this, just really quick, uh, is most of it is source. So most of the music, when you're hearing it and you think it might be just amazing or beautiful, most of it is not written for the movie. The compo- the, the, the um, film composer is a famous one. And now Marty, to your point, I can't think of who that is either. So I'm it just, just keeps, this oh, keeps sliding down your list. Ale- Alexander Desplat. Alexander Desplat is the, uh, is the um, uh, composer, but, uh, Andy, you were saying some of the music was, you said Brahms, I think. And I was just oh, thinking, there's the scene where the father's listening to Brahms. Oh, and then okay. he gets up and, you know, he, he starts conducting. But, you know, I'm just saying there's a lot of music that's thrown in the film that's also integrated with the stories or the story of the father and how he wanted to be a musician. And he kind that's of true. pursued that. And You're right. I love where he's at now is unhappy because he didn't do that. But, you know, the theme of doing what you want to do versus what you should do is shown in that light. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, But there are some beautiful classical pieces, which I don't know if you all have heard before, but, uh, and I'm looking up to see which, what this piece is called specifically, but during the sequence where the kids are growing up, that very just kind of jovial, uh, energetic music that's playing, is that something you all, did that sound familiar? I don't remember it. I can't okay. think of it off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I could do I it over the podcast, it. but that might be. It's, it's. Uh, I'm trying to find it. It's da 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 da, and that's enough of that. <laughs> Neil, what about you? What's your favorite uh, kaleidoscope of color? Scene? Kaleidoscope of color. Or shot. Um, yeah, it's difficult, really, to answer because there were so many. Um, the ones that stand out, um, some of the um, volcanic shots were very powerful. Um, that those were awesome. Uh, the dinosaur scene, I also really resonated with. Um, There's something about that that was very interesting um, visually. Um, but the whole movie was. I actually read a, a critic review that said. This is a movie that you could pretty much pause anywhere you want. Um, I think it was just on Wikipedia. It's just a quote. Uh, you could pause this movie and hang whatever wherever you pause it. You could you could take that shot, and hang it on your wall, and I, I thought that was very almost you know 
it just speaks to just like so difficult to to choose one. Oh yeah, well, everything is quick cut. Like yeah, but the angles, the, the cinematography is just astounding. Um, the, it it's just almost every shot is uh, well, every shot is well considered, but just it's just so hard. I think yeah. There there was a shot where the the camera is upside down and all you see are the shadows of the kids playing. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that one? That's That'd actually my re- favorite shot. That oh, we that is beautiful. You mean you see the shadows? Continue. or Yeah, the, the <laughs> shadows of the kids playing on the cement. Uh, yeah, that one like, passed me by. You know, just was, one before I finish. That was my favorite shot of the whole thing. The sunflower shot, even though it was toward the very end and it was a very obvious oh. shot, it was such an amazing picture, such an amazing composition. That was That was awesome. Maybe that's just because I played a lot of Stardew Valley recently, and I love sunflowers. But <laughs> yeah, no, um, it it was good. every episode. Like, yeah, <laughs> Stardew Valley's the new rock, Rocket League. Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I definitely feel like talking about visuals in the film translates well into the podcast medium. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Maybe we'll find a still yeah. and put that on the Facebook page. <laughs> It's just giving Marty work to do, basically. Pictures, pictures are worth a thousand words, Andrew. We could talk about any one of these images for a long time. And Ooh. I, and I, I do want to thank you. It was a visually <laughs> stunning film, and like out of your cinematic. Thank you because you made it. No, out of your cinematic yeah, you rec- recommendations for art films, this has been one of the first ones that I've actually enjoyed. I'm not going to put it in my top 10, but it would be one that, like, I actually enjoyed this piece of art. Wait, really quick. What would be one that you didn't enjoy that I recommended? I don't remember off the top of my head because I kind of... That's right, because there are none. (laughs) (laughs) One I do enjoy is Apocalypse Now. Oh, yes. Yes. In fact, we should... um, That should be one for open for discussion. That would be interesting to discuss. That is also a visually stunning film. Really, really quick aside, um, and I, I'm glad this was, it seems like, uh, even if a bizarre film, just by the standpoint of not being similar to many others, uh, it sounds like it was appreciated by all. Has anyone ever seen another Terrence Malick film? What else? No. Is what has he done? My so, wife said that he was the bad, he, he did Badlands, yeah, right? He did Badlands, yeah. that's right, yeah. So Badlands yeah. was his first film, and then he did nope. Days of Heaven, which... Nope is must-see. It's unbelievable. It's got Richard Gere, no gerbils, and it has, um, let's see, who else? Uh, (laughs) It has has, um, Sissy Space, no, no, Sissy SpaceX and Badlands. Um, uh, I can't think of the other actor's name off the top of my head, but he did those two movies, 1973 and 1978, respectively, were their release dates, and then nothing until uh, The Thin Red Line, in 1997 so he just went off the radar completely he's but a he very only wrote that he didn't direct that he directed all three of those the thin red line yeah definitely hmm. in all of his movies he's he's uh any huh. movie he's directed he has definitely written yeah, it though says i he, think it says he directed them yeah but i think if, if you say when you say written i think those first few films were definitely written but as i understand it days of uh, or, or uh, the tree of life uh, is was essentially just like a, a document with pictures, and it's been something he's been working on for decades. 
and then it finally came to fruition now. But so uh, since I'm almost done with his filmography, since he's only done a few movies and he's got such an interesting career, he did those two films in the 70s, nothing until The Thin Red Line. Then he did, and I'm just looking at my collection because I can't, yeah, The New World, yeah. And then he did The Tree of Life, which to me is his number one film, though I still haven't seen everything. He then, you look at that, and what's one of the key things you take away right there is that he's not very prolific. He takes his time between movies, right? But right. after after The Thin Red Line, he did, uh, if you look at his filmography, he did like a movie every year or sometimes two movies a year. He did To the Wonder with uh, Ben Affleck. He did... Night of Cups, which has, um, I believe it's uh, uh, Christian Bale, and he's a, a screenwriter. And then he did a movie with Natalie Portman that kind of is about people in the music scene in Austin, uh, which has Ryan Gosling and Michael Fassbender. Um, all these movies back to back, eventually doing a movie that uh, I'd have to look up, but it's essentially about, it's kind of like he wanted to do a whole movie about the creation sequence from, from Tree of Life, Voyage of Time, I think is what it's called. And I haven't seen that either. And so he just got really prolific, did all these movies back to back. And I would say, if you're interested in diving in, watch them. You really need to see all the movies before Tree of Life. The movies that have recently come after are honestly um, very similar to that Tree of Life style, uh, being very broad, not a lot of dialogue, very poetic, but definitely nowhere near the, the grandeur and scope of the Tree of Life. Um, however, he has recently done a movie called A Hidden Life. About yeah, which a, apparently is like everyone's saying should be an Oscar contender. That's what I heard too. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's amazing. So it's, it's a return to form for him um, after just filming a ton of different movies where even I understand that sometimes with those movies he made in the last few years, he would, while filming one movie, he would shoot footage for another movie. He was just moving around with his cinematographer, just just, just, uh, uh, just getting much more crazy about it than, than he was previously. So just... Anyway, uh, sorry, that was a little longer than I thought, but just in short, he's just a very um, enigmatic, unique guy that it sounds like uh, he is very thoughtful, very uh, philosophical. I think his, his background is in philosophy, believe it or not, but he's also very whimsical to the point where he'll be shooting a scene and you hear actors talk about how all of a sudden he'll say in his Texas accent, uh, why don't you do this? Look up at the birds. And... Uh, he'll have have the actor do something totally off off cuff. Along aside, he's one of my favorite directors. <laughs> All right. Well, like Marty was saying, <laughs> thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> a long-winded response. Andrew's Again, like, all of oh, that I, was off. Ed wasn't oh, even looking up IMDb or anything. That's all from his head. He is a he is drunk on film. Yeah, a little bit. Well, cool. Any, I mean, I, I want to say thank you for recommending the movie. It was super cool. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm so happy to hear all of you say that. That's that's exciting because honestly, I never get through to many people with actually successfully watching this movie. They start it or they just have no interest and they say, no thanks. That just sounds like a chore, a bore. I tried to get Courtney to watch this and she said, but it, yeah. It makes you uh, feel uh, even better. Andrew chastised me. Because I was like, uh, I, oh, I haven't finished the movie yet. I'm only halfway through. And he's like, how could you possibly stop that movie halfway through? And uh, wow. it's a fair question. The answer is children. But 
um, aside from children, <laughs> aside from children, yeah, that you wouldn't um, if you were enjoying it. So yeah, yeah. I do feel this film is a uh, is like a, a, a like exercise. If you stop halfway through it, you kind of lose you have a low bar way. for exercise, Mark. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I'm, I'm certain it's a struggle to get back into it. If you stop it, like <laughs> I mean, like, I, yeah. I was fine. I was you have fine, to but sit and go and like you have to just go power through it all. Get your work done. Watch the film in one sitting, and then like then you're good to go. Otherwise, I that feel if you kind of makes you it sound it, like a chore, though, um, which is a little unfair, maybe. Or uh, it's a heavy film. So yeah, getting back into it, I can see why that would suck. Um, but that said, I do think that having seen it in two chunks did probably diminish the experience yeah. slightly. It's like, slightly, it's like going up and seeing a, a a masterpiece from an artist or like a Picasso, and then going, "Oh, hang on, I gotta, I gotta go, yeah, take a gotta, siesta, and then I gotta come back, and then try to get back to where you were and the same level of enjoyment." I gotta take it a photo and post it on Instagram. Like it just, <laughs> it, I I feel like it, it would take you out of the moment of the film. Yeah, like Lethal Weapon, you can jump in and out. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> that's nothing to mean against the movie or the movies. And I think if that's is that what we want to line up next? Well, yeah, we were in preparation for this episode, and I I was told, yeah, let's do all the Lethal Weapons. So I powered through all four of those. <laughs> And the nice guys. <laughs> did you? And and then I did uh, Tree of Life yesterday. I took the day off of work just so I could stay at home and watch the Tree of Life to make sure I got it done and like devote time to it and it's give it my full attention. And and, and drink we a did bottle of wine afterwards. Like later, like I watched the Tree of Life at like I started at eleven in the morning, and then I finished it like right after one or something. But I didn't open the bottle of wine until uh, like five or six. So it didn't drive me to drink. I just wanted a bottle of wine. And once you open the I saw bottle, what you it, said yesterday, Marty. When, changing uh, the story. When the when, once you pop the cork of a bottle of wine, you, you can't put it back. It goes bad. So you got to drink it all. He is right. That is true. <laughs> okay. Let's and you like that up. with tequila. <laughs> whiskey 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 the, especially white whiskey and he knows that corn whiskey that wasn't corn whiskey that time anyways ed where can we find you, you can find me at the same handle i told you last time i forgot which one it is inebriated yeah at inebriated yeah on instagram that's where the drinks are it's at ed underscore w underscore f if you want my boring personal life all right well as always you can find us at optional plans on twitter and you can find us at plans are optional on facebook we will have ed on again maybe to watch lethal weapon or maybe we'll just keep pushing that off i think we just go all shane black buddy movies i agree well no no not all of them because that's too many let's do i think lethal weapon and the nice guys is a good mix maybe long kiss good night the thing is too don't forget kiss kiss bang bang shane black didn't actually have any involvement in three or four so maybe we just watch lethal weapon one and two and then trust me i watched them I know. I noticed get, a difference. I've, I've got it really quick. I think Lethal Weapon 1 and 2, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys. That would be a very entertaining four-film set. All very good movies. There we go. I'm okay with that. And, and they're not something that you really have to, I mean, if, you know, if you look away or pause it, you can get by without it. If you get interrupted by kids. Yeah. Or anybody. The adult film stars that are waiting for you to shoot the scene. Thank <laughs> you.
Okay. We'll uh, cut out somewhere around there. <laughs>